Welcome to this Convincing Matters chat, where Stu and I are going to cover the January 2023 news. Welcome to Convincing Matters with Lorraine and Stu. Join us for a chat about all things property. So, Stu, welcome, welcome. The uh, the first Convincing Matters news of 2023, January yeah. 2023. How are you doing, mate? I'm very good. The year's already flying, isn't it? We're almost uh, almost in February. I know. I can't believe it. I can't believe no. it, to be honest. And actually, there's a lot to talk about, isn't there? We've uh, we've gone through our news and there's a lot to talk about. So, uh, so where do you want to start? We've obviously, the big news, and we talked about it in a little chat last week, we've yep. now launched the Convincing Matters subscription service, haven't we, Stu? Yeah. Getting subscribers yep, yeah. along. Really excited about that. Um uh, and what they're going to get, obviously, is, well, not obviously, but what subscribers to our um, uh, Convincing Matters subscription via our website will get, as you know, is uh, lots of content, monthly CPD webinars, plus attendance at the uh, Convincing Matters live events and, and other things as well. So really excited about that. I'm really excited to welcome our first subscribers to you. Yeah, hopefully it'll allow us to sort of uh, cover some more diverse topics and, and go a bit more in depth. Uh, on the the practical and the theory, you know, as well as having these chats normally. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, any diary dates coming up, Stu? Yeah. So, in addition to our news regarding the subscription that we're launching, uh, we've also expanded our conveyancing live dates. So, the first one is not too far away. It's on the twenty second of February at the Red Door in Rayleigh, Essex. So, it's the first time we're venturing out of London. Yes. So hopefully a few more people will be able to attend. We're also uh, going to be in Birmingham on the 25th of May. And of course, we're not going to be uh, leaving London out. We'll be back in London, uh, probably early London, early London, early November, um, maybe the 7th or 8th, but the date to be confirmed. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the annual subscribers, of course, get the events included within their yes. subscription. But always very um, happy to uh, welcome non-subscribers along. Of course, they can attend the events for £15. And if uh, if anybody's interested in any of that, uh, do remember that you can go to, uh, go to our website, www.convincing-matters.co.uk. But just to remind people watching this, um, uh, you know, our news chats have proved one of the most sort of popular um, uh, of the things that we do during 2022. Certainly our podcasts and YouTube stats um, indicate that. So we're absolutely going to continue on uh, YouTube, uh, you know, for free. We are going to uh, put out our news chats on uh, YouTube every month. Our guests and opinion pieces will continue to be available. Uh, and of course, remember with the news chats that we are only talking about things that are actually happening that have actually been introduced for conveyances i think conveyances have got far too much to think about to uh haven't they stew to think about what might be happening so what we have always wanted to do is is focus on things that affect um conveyances you know the day that they watch the chat so so um so hopefully that uh, we'll continue to do that uh so moving on Stu. yeah so at the moment we've got the sqe one exams taking place so uh we particularly want to uh, wish our friend Ewan uh, good luck at the moment. He's been on the show a few times, so uh, fingers crossed he's been doing all his revising and uh, getting his head down now to get yeah. those out of the way. Absolutely, absolutely. So good luck to anybody who's doing or has done those. Um, 
uh, and as you say, lovely you, and we'll get him back on to let us uh, to let us know how he got on. But uh, so jumping into the news, uh, the main news itself, then Stu. Well, we really yeah. can't ignore the fact, of course, that the um, big one, the big one, one of the big ones, yeah. the new oh, fire yeah. safety regulations came into force in England. The fire safety open bracket England close bracket regulations 2022. Uh, which, of course, implement the majority of the terrible Grenfell Tower inquiry recommendations. And they came into force on Monday, the 23rd of January. And um, they are going to be of much broader application to conveyances than just building safety and cladding. It's worth pointing out to the fire safety regulations are a much broader um you know, have much broader scope than the, the just cladded buildings. Um, and there are new uh, requirements for responsible persons of mid and high rise block flats. So anything above uh, 11 metres has got certain requirements and 18 metres, the high rises even more. Uh, and the idea is to sort of provide information to fire and rescue services to assist them with operational planning and to provide additional safety measures and to provide uh, a lot more information, um, you know, literally on the ground to mm. to flat owners and those in the buildings affected them, themselves. Certainly, Stu, there, um, I saw uh, on social media, actually, of a, a couple of very useful um, LinkedIn posts uh, from a gentleman whose name I probably should have noted down, actually, essentially to say that... Um, the general state of readiness of the fire services themselves to sort of receive this information from responsible persons in high-rise buildings was uh, was was pretty patchy. Uh, I think London Fire Brigade's portal for this wasn't up and running when it should have been, and when it was up and running, there were no privacy notices, no TNCs, no nothing else. Um, so I really wanted to sort of, you know, it's important that we flag it to our conveyance yeah. colleagues. I'm absolutely, you know, in terms of leasehold matters too, it's certainly going to make more have more effect than, um, than than perhaps we think. Just in terms of the additional requirements imposed on us, and and how far should our um, investigation and reporting obligations go? And if, this is this is this is the the key point, isn't it? I don't think yeah. anybody's sort of disagreeing with the the onus that, that should be there and the importance of you know, the fire risk um, regulations, but it's how it affects us and what we do. That's the key, isn't it? That's the key. Uh, and I think there's far too much to talk about on a news chat, Stu. So, uh, again, people might be interested to know that we're definitely going to cover this in uh, very yeah. soon in one of our monthly webinars on the subscription yeah. channel. So, um, you know, that that's where we'll talk about it in more detail. Um, definitely. And, uh, you know, definitely. moving on, Stu. Well, yeah, and again, I suppose it leads us into another hot topic, hot potato, whatever you want to call it, the Building Safety Act 2022. Um, what can we say? There's lots of already been written about this, and I think the problem is the uncertainty, isn't it? Um, and, and and the lack of, I suppose, precedent uh, in terms of you know what banks are going to accept. So the part two requirements... Particularly, I think it's Barclays and Nationwide are so onerous, aren't they? Um, and again, yeah, and again, it's you know it's too big a subject now. I think for us to maybe cover off here today on the news, and again, it's a separate subject matter that we're going to talk uh, and have a chat about on our subscription channel, isn't it? So the you know the act's now in force, and you know we're going to go into this in a bit more uber detail aren't we um at a later yeah day. absolutely i mean the difficulty for conveyance is that it's that you know parts that are in, it are in force it's coming into force across 2023 i think the implications are very wide ranging um you know 
lots hasn't been clearly thought out in my view. Um, and actually probably worth mentioning now, of course, we've got the update to some of the conveyancing forms. Uh, you know, the LPE1 has been amended to, to take account of some of the building safety requirements. Similarly, the um, leasehold information form also. Um, and I think the implications for conveyances are very significant. Um, so, yeah, we're definitely going to do a webinar on this. And I think what's interesting is that we already slightly disagree, don't we, Stu, about, um, about you know, the extent to which firms may or may not want to act in these circumstances. So we will certainly unpick that in more detail. Um, and, you know, and leading on from that, I mean, as you say, it's not just a hot topic. I think it's going to be the topic, isn't it? Uh, because we have also read, haven't we, that lenders might lend of a sort of saying they might lend on cladded buildings um, and Barclays, HSBC, Lloyd's Nationwide, NatWest, Santander, they've all sort of said they might. They've come out with some warm words. But as you and I often say, I this, this is the problem, though, isn't it? It's the, the lack of, uh, you know, or the uncertainty as to what they might, they might not. Um, there's no precedent for us to rely on and that's what's going to be really difficult for us going forward and I, I think possibly be fair to say it might be the topic of 2023 I would I'm guess certain. I'm certain um, I mean, um, yeah. you know the, the um, implementation of the act itself which is the act itself is about 250 pages or something ridiculous but as we always say you know the devil is going to be in the details specifically part two uh, and the general flag that, that I think we should be giving to firms and our colleagues watching this now is, you know, given Barclays and Nationwide's already their very onerous part two handbook requirements for um, uh, uh, cladded buildings broadly, uh, you know, firms, I think, are going to need to look very carefully at all of this um, and uh, and not be caught with their pants down halfway through a transaction. So we're certainly going to unpick this in a, a hopefully a lot more detail, particularly as it relates directly to what you know, our conveyancing friends do on a day-to-day basis. Uh, and I think, you know, our thinking will unfold as the as the narrative and the acts do. So, yeah. uh, and the act does. So, a uh, lot, lot to be said on that, but but people already need to have it on their radars, quite frankly. Um, I certainly found, Stu, when I started to look into the detail of the Building Safety Act, there was, there's so many layers and there's so many definitions that I think any work that any, anyone can do now to just start to get their way into it is going to be time well spent. But anyway, let's leave those for the... Uh, let's, let's get off these topics. They're uh, <laughs> going to fill uh, so, everyone with fear, aren't they? Yeah. So where do you want to take us next? Well, I thought we'd maybe uh, mention the Forces Help to Buy scheme um, that was recently made permanent. Um, yeah. So under under the scheme now, um, service personnel can borrow up to 50% of their salary. Uh, I think it's up to £25,000, uh, which was brought into obviously in, uh, encourage, uh, engage, encourage um, support of home ownership by the government. So it's an interest-free loan, uh, repayable over a maximum of 10 years. Um, I'm open to regular personnel with more than 12 months service. Yeah, so just one of those quirky things that firms need to look out for. Um, you know, we're probably none of us going to be sort of, you know, um, overwhelmed with with people dealing with um, forces, uh, uh, you know, members of our armed forces purchasing properties. But nonetheless, I think it's useful to know the schemes out there. And of course, firms that, that are, are not too far geographically from, uh, you know, uh, garrisons and so on and so forth might Definitely. want to uh, stick it on their websites i think the key as well is that obviously this has been made permanent but what's not been made permanent or what's not been extended help to buy <laughs>
Yeah, there's been a bit of misreporting, I think, on Help yeah, to Buy, Stu, hasn't there? And I know PCS have done a lot of Help to Buy work, um, uh, Miles and your colleagues there. So, so just very briefly, Stu, what's you know what's what's the score? What what's led to the slight confusion with the comments around Help to Buy? I'm not sure where the confusion lies, uh, if I'm honest, because it's it's always been sort of fairly set in stone um, that it's finishing. Uh, I think maybe the downturn in the market maybe led a few people uh, to potentially think that the government might be interested in extending it. Um, but no, the 31st of March uh, is the deadline. Um, and yeah, there's, unless there's a, a massive, massive uh, change, um, then it's, it's going to be uh, done and dusted. Yeah, I think the government the government did announce um, only on the 26th of Jan that it's not going to enforce the first long first, stop yeah, yeah. on developers. I think that's um, where the confusion is. Probably. I think so. I think so. Uh, provided that homes have reached practical completion by the 17th of March. but uh, So I think that there's been perhaps a little bit of sort of misreading of some detail there by, by people in the, you know, people in the press. Um, so, you know, the the date by which this this scheme ends is remains the 31st of March 2023. Um, but uh, the first long stop date imposed on developers, which was going to be, I think, somewhere, you know, end of December or whatever, um, has effectively the government said, well, we can ignore that because lots of developers apparently contacted the government and said, we're not going to have the homes finished in time. Mm -hmm. So the government said, fair enough, we'll, we'll disregard that. Um, and they're not going to enforce that first long stop date, providing they've reached practical completion by the 17th of March. So so there we go. Um, so moving on, Stu, something that's uh, close to the heart of, I think, all law firms these days. Um, and we've always said that, you know, we're very much not into uh, sort of kicking firms for the sake of it. Uh, there's very much, I think we both feel as cold-faced conveyances there, but for the grace of God, go all of us. But I don't think we can do a news chat without mentioning um, uh, an AML uh, fine that the SRA has recently imposed. And it's sort of made the, the, the headlines in some of the legal press because actually it's one of the first cases where the SRA's increased fining powers have been used. So an, um, a law firm agreed to publication of the firm's of the SRA's judgment, uh, paid 1,300 quid's worth of costs and picked up a financial penalty of 2K, uh, 20,000 rather. But I think the point about it is, is actually the sort of somewhat of the, you know, the public shame really of the SRA publishing. And I hasten to add, I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, gossiping here, taken from the SRA's public document. Uh, you'll, you'll be amazed when you read these, those two. The firm didn't have um, an AML, uh, a firm-wide uh, practice risk assessment, um, the firm-wide risk assessment hadn't sort of sufficiently considered the legal sector affinity group guidance. Uh, one of the partners hadn't received AML training on the money laundering rigs. The money laundering reporting officer hadn't had any additional training to support them in their role. Um, there were monies being received from third parties that weren't being um, checked, um, at, you know, no client or matter risk assessments. I mean, the, the list was much, much longer than that. But um so I do think firms have just got to be, they've got to have AML you know, right at the front and forefront of their minds all the time. You know, this is relatively recent. That you know, The case has only recently been reported. To that, that must be a very unusual case. So I would suggest that 99% of firms that that would not apply to, probably a much higher percentage than that. I, I don't think the... Um, I don't think the percentage of, of compliant firms would be nearly as high as you would think. 
to you be reckon? honest with you. I'll I do, I'm afraid. Yeah, I do. So I think uh, firms really ought to be trying to get the house in order. But but one of the things, again, you know, one of the things we've done, Stu, isn't it? We've, uh, over the last couple of years, we've put out quite a lot of, I think, quite detailed and helpful sort of technical content on some areas. Uh, and AML is certainly one of the things that we've done. And what we've decided to do is sort of take that off the YouTube channel uh, and make that available now to our subscribers. So again, if you were, you know, if you're interested in anything that Stu and I have said before on on AML issues, then by all means, uh, go to the website. So with sort of you know crime and money in in mind, Stu, what uh, where are you taking us next? Yeah, so the the proceeds of crime threshold, uh, I think it was the fifth of January, twenty twenty three, early this year, the threshold amount um, actually increased, didn't it, from two hundred and fifty to a thousand pounds um so yeah something to note for your records yeah absolutely so um you know firms firms should know about it your mlro and your accounts team should know about it uh, well i mentioned the um the updated sort of leasehold forms too but again moving on we've also had the law society of you of, of um updated the uh the good old TA13, the good old completion information and undertakings. And they've added some extra bits and bobs and client references and bits and bobs. And um, personally, one of my absolute bugbears is that uh, in addition to asking the seller to, you know, the buyer asking the seller to confirm that the keys would be handed over, um, they've added in, you know, with reference to um, the fact that electronic devices, passcodes and alarm codes should be handed over, which I accept is of absolute significance to a home buyer. I'm not diminishing the importance of it, but I simply get very concerned that, you know, that's yet another little tiny bit of mission creep uh, that by definition you know, conveyances are going to get involved in. I don't want inquiries about passcodes, alarm codes and electronic devices. And, you know, can I open my curtains with a remote control and can I open the garage front door? And, you know, what's the Wi-Fi? And goodness knows what else. I'm just not interested. I just don't think it's something that should be, um, you know, affecting the sort of pre-completion. I think it's a great idea. <laughs> I think I it's a great idea. I'm uh, fed up with people ask me about the alarm code and stuff like that. Yeah, I just I, if you're just, asking about the keys, we might as well ask about the alarm code. Well, I just don't get it. I just you know, but anyway, but I think the thing my bugbearer parts to as you well know, the biggest sort of sort of difference in pr process that the um amends to the TA thirteen have introduced, which firms are gonna need some firms that lots of firms are doing anyway, is um the TA thirteen now asks the seller's conveyancer to confirm that the executed, the signed transfer mm. is actually attached to the replies to TA13 or yeah. will be supplied before completion. And frankly, Stu, this, I think, is an absolute recognition by the Law Society and good on them, I've got to say, for this. I'm not, up to, I'm not into passcodes and electronic devices, but good on them for this because, unfortunately, I think this just reflects the... Uh, the, the the shoddy way that a lot of conveyancing is taking place these days and the fact that, you know, even five, ten years, five years ago, Stu, we knew that a conveyancer on completion would send us the data transfer on the day. It was never an issue, was it? You never, oh, you, know, you might have to chase about lots of things, but the transfer was never one of them, was it? No, no I completely agree with you. Um, I suppose, you know, it's a reminder to us all. Is it potentially uh, circumnavigating the problem coming up and you can't argue that you know that's wrong um but yeah is it something that we need i don't know i think 
it's a difficult one because there are a lot of occasions whereby you don't get the transfer now. Uh, you're right, five years ago, it virtually never happened. Um, did it go missing in the post from time to time? But you're talking one in one in a thousand kind of thing, but it yeah. is more regular now, whatever way we want to put it. It is much more, you know, it is a more common occurrence. So it is. I suppose, you know, it, it, is it there to protect firms? Yeah, probably is, isn't it? So on the balance so. of everything, it, you know, is it needed? Probably. And is it a good idea? It probably is. Yeah, I think so. I've got to say, I think so. Well, moving on, Stu, tiny, tiny one. Um, people that are keen on the land registry like me, um, the land reg introduced, well, when the pandemic hit in March 2020, uh, the land registry introduced sort of lots of changes to its processes very much, very quickly. They then sort of put all of those changes and bits and bobs uh, into Land Registry Practice Guide 8080, which is information for conveyancers. Basically, what they've done now, in case you're, anybody's looking for it, they have now withdrawn Practice Guide 80. And the uh, to the extent that there was anything left in it that was a, now a permanent change to the Land Registry practice, they've just sort of dissipated into all of the relevant practice guides. So if anybody is poking around looking for Practice Guide 80, because it was quite a, a useful little um a useful little reminder. Um, uh, it, it, that's now gone. It's now been withdrawn. Yeah. Okay. Talking about the land registry. Uh, seamless, talking about seamless the land and registry. Seamless <laughs> and professional, mate. I know, seamless. First of February, they're on strike. Don't forget. Um, yes. Not that I think, in terms of you know us on a day to day basis, can do much about this. Um, I think really it's checking priority dates. That's a fairly obvious thing, isn't it? Um, making sure that something's not going to expire uh, at the wrong time, maybe getting those renewed a bit earlier. Um, and particularly if you've got any maybe needy clients or clients that are actually reliant on something happening, maybe briefing them now that there could be a problem because the land registry going to be on strike would be uh, would be good practice. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And of course, we don't know whether there'll be any more. Always worth um, our complaints and colleagues, you know, keep keeping an eye out. Um, yeah, I hate um, to think. I say that with no judgment, but just, um, but just, you know, it, it may have an operational impact if it sort of continues further. Um, and um, the SRA, Stu, I know that that's my regulator, not yours, your CLC, but the SRA has sort of come out with a, a couple of quite useful um, little uh, bits and bobs. And I do think it's actually quite helpful for all conveyances to sort of look at the other regulators in basic information that's coming out. I think, you know, there's quite useful stuff that comes out. So, for example, the SRA has introduced uh, recently released some sanctions guidance which I think is very helpful. They've also um, brought up uh, cryptocurrency uh, and they've put that, uh, particularly in relation to, to AML issues, on their Q&A page. And we've already decided, Stu, haven't we, that again, cryptocurrency will be another uh, topic that we will discuss as a, as a, a webinar yeah. affecting conversion. Another big one. <laughs> in the subscription service. And they have already met, and the SRA, and I think, you know, the SRA and the CRC to be, seem to be a little bit different here because the SRA, Stu, have said, you know, yes, we're going to be checking firms' websites for compliance with the transparency rules, you know, the rules that require yeah. us to put our fees on our websites. And I suspect that the SRA is doing that because it's finding that SRA-regulated firms aren't complying. So they are making quite a, a thing of that, and they've already, yeah. um, uh, you know, fined three firms for not complying with the, with the transparency rules. 
uh, and one of them, you know, did get a fine of three and a half thousand. But you're finding that the CLC has got a is, is yeah. Well, I, I was surprised when we brought this up earlier because um, my experience with the CLC is that this is a fairly hot topic for them and something that they kind of um, were looking at virtually straight away uh, as soon as the transparency rules came into force. You know, every time we had an inspection, um, and, and probably more than that, um, the CLC were doing a, an audit check on the website to see what was published um, and asking us a, a few questions about that. So for us, it's something that's not really abnormal. It's been sort of ongoing for a while now. Yeah, I mean, maybe I don't know that. I don't know. That I, I have to admit, I have to admit, though, having uh, looked at other websites in particular, uh, and looking at somebody acting, the detail that should be there, I have to admit, with other firms, uh, maybe was lacking. So I suppose this is why. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, maybe the uh, the CLC have got fewer firms to regulate, I guess. Therefore, maybe maybe it's a less onerous task. But anyway. So, and then just lastly, Stu, to mention, um, just there has been a recent case on Japanese knotweed, good old knotweed. Bit of a, it's becoming more of a hot topic and a, and a bane for conveyances i think it's crept onto the piff there's lots about it now in the law society's um yeah. guidance on the piff so again just to flag that there's a case but again the sort of detailed implications for conveyances we will cover in a um a subscription webinar so um so thanks very much for that Stu. really okay. that's quite a news packed january already uh and uh, uh so thanks to our lovely people for watching and um and i'll see you soon mate take care see you soon Bye.